Welcome to the one-on-one with one and only sports podcast. I'm your host, Theo Juan. Every person has a story to tell, and this podcast hopes to give an opportunity for those in the sport world to share their unique story. Each week, I interview a new guest to come on the show. We talk about how they got to where they are in the sport world, what their daily life looks like, some misconceptions people have about their role, and we end with a fun rapid-fire segment to close the episode. If that sounds like something for you, Please don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. New episodes will be coming out every Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by Beyond the Game. Ever wonder what your life will be like after sport? Check out Beyond the Game, an organization dedicated to elevating the vision of athletes through the connection of sport to what's next. Their aim is to create better athletes, stronger leaders, tighter teams, and most importantly, more enlightened people. Through research-based workshops, team seminars, keynote speaking, and one-on-one coaching, they guide people through some of the difficult transitions in sport and life. Follow their journey on Facebook and LinkedIn at Beyond the Game, on Instagram at Beyond underscore the Game, and on their website, gobeyondthegame.ca. Now with all that done, let's go. Welcome to episode 5 of the podcast. Today's guest is Andrew Masters. Andrew is a goaltender for the OUA champion University of Guelph Griffins men's hockey team. With the Guelph Griffins, he has won a Queen's Cup, where he was named MVP, an OUA silver medal in 2018-2019, and he was an OUA all-rookie selection in 2017-2018. Before playing for the Griffins, Andrew played for the Miami Redhawks in the NCAA and the Georgetown Raiders of the OJHL. He is a management economics and finance major at the University of Guelph. Here is my interview with Andrew Masters. Andrew, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Theo. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on the show. We do appreciate it. Love to hear more about your journey. So the first question is going to be, tell us how you got to where you are today as a goalie of the University of Guelph Griffins. Right. So, Theo, my story is pretty, uh, pretty long and winding. Started, I guess... I was 10 years old. We went to a, uh, a hockey tournament in Lake Placid, New York. Um, I actually started out as a defenseman. I started out as a AAA defenseman and went to that tournament. Uh, only two, go- two goalies on the team. One didn't come to the tournament. It was at the end of the year. And under the same roof as the, uh, the Miracle on Ice Arena in 1980, the, the other goalie had a 103-degree fever for, the, for our first game. And I was the, the designated, I guess, if something should go wrong, you're going in net. So off I go, put the pads on that day, and never look back. So uh, came up through Kitchener Minor Hockey. Took a couple years to work up the levels. Minor midget, major midget, AAA in Kitchener. Then got an opportunity to make the jump to Junior C. Uh, played with the Paris Mounties for a year and a half. Transitioned to the uh, St. Mary's Lincolns. Sarnia Legionnaires Junior B to finish up my 19-year-old year and then uh, Georgetown Raiders at 20. So in that time, Tio, in those four years, I was cut by a grand total of 22 junior teams, which I think is more than many teams in our league uh, combined for all their players. So that really the fact that, you know, the organizations that I played for took a chance on me, that they saw that, you know, there, there maybe was some value in me in, in having me around and taking that risk. Uh, something that I'm forever grateful to all those organizations for because when you get cut as much as I have, I don't think I've ever really made a team off a tryout. It was always, you know, as tough as a goalie as the numbers game is really not in your favor. You know, I remember 20, 30 goalies going for one spot on teams. 
so really that I was able to to get an organization to jump in leagues and then that uh that Georgetown took the chance on me as a 20 year old without any experience in the league to come in and be their starter really was my my launch into my career uh had a good summer before Georgetown worked with Matt Smith goaltending worked with uh, Maria Mountain on the dryland side got my body in shape uh lost a lot of weight and then uh, took that into a D1 commitment, uh, University uh, or Miami University of Ohio. Actually committed there six weeks after my last junior game. So for six weeks after we lost the, the 2016 OJHL final, I didn't know where I was going to play. Uh, I had no idea. I wasn't sure if it was over. I wasn't sure. I had a couple teams talking to me. Nothing was really, um, nothing was set in stone per se. So, yeah, Miami took a chance on me. We made the money work, and I was able to get down and enjoy a year of D1 hockey. Uh, it was a fantastic conference, fantastic league. We played schools like North Dakota, Minnesota Duluth. I think the last four or five NCAA champions have came out of that conference. So it was really, really a strong hockey conference. Lots of those guys in the NHL now. Uh, we had Jack Roslovic on our team the year before. He's playing for the Jets. We had Kiefer Sherwood. He was playing for the Ducks. So... The level of hockey there was fantastic, but unfortunately my playing time was a little lacking. I didn't play a single second for the Red Hawks. So came home, I decided I was going to come home in January of the Red Hawks year. Did a lot of research, a lot of research to pick my the right CIS school for me, or U Sport, I guess, as it was at the time. Because if I didn't get a school... Uh, to to take me on their hockey team, I didn't have a school to attend, let alone a team to play for, because all the all the deadlines were blown. So it was really really an important decision that I pick somewhere where I was able not only to get in, because whoever took me was gonna gamble again on a goalie who hadn't played a game in over a calendar year, but that it was the right fit, and I really didn't have a choice to to make that fit right. And I had to make sure the degree was what I wanted to. I had to make sure that it was all encompassing and that nobody was going to recruit me to you because I hadn't played for a year and nobody would, would know that I wanted to come home. They wouldn't look at a roster and think that I was available. So I did my research, uh, reached out to a couple teams and, you know, was happy that, uh, that I ended up winning the Griffins. Awesome. That's a really interesting story there, Andrew showing your ability to get through those ups and downs so i do appreciate you sharing that are there some people that you can think of that were really integral in your journey maybe some junior coaches or head coaches that really impacted you who are some people you want to shout out for uh, bringing you to where you are today sure so first i mean my family uh just my parents have been there every step of the way they've been supporting me through all through all the cuts through all the times that you know weren't maybe as great in my career and uh they really just never lost faith gave me the, all the resources I needed to be successful. Uh, another one would be my grandfather. He's got a rink named after him in my hometown of Kitchener. Uh, he was really, really a uh, resource for me growing up, always there to, to reassure, to reinforce what I was doing. You know, I even remember as I was transitioning to goalie, he gave me an absolute full support and full stamp of approval. In terms of coaches, two really, really big goalie-specific coaches for me, the boys at Matt Smith goaltending, uh, Matt Smith and Keaton Hardigan, They've really helped me take my game to the next level. They've really helped me show. They've really helped me in, uh, improve technically. They've really helped me develop. And when I look back onto why maybe I was released so many times by junior teams, a lot of it was because I don't think I had the technical base that was necessary to play in the league. And those two really, really gave that to me and allowed me to 
to shoot up the ranks pretty quick, so a lot of credit goes to them. Maria Mountain, too, she is a strength coach out of London. She has lots of online resources available for for high-end goalies, and her programs have been absolutely fantastic. You have to put in some work. You have to follow them pretty religiously. There's no one really there to to encourage you if you're not going to do that. But I've really been fortunate enough to use her programming and her expertise to to launch me to next levels in terms of a body and a fitness standpoint. Well, that's great, Andrew. And in your story, you shared a lot about being cut and the struggles that you faced with those experiences. What would you say to someone who's in a similar situation? Maybe they're in junior hockey right now. They want to go D1. They want to potentially go to the U sports level playing the OUA. What's some advice you would give to someone who's sort of in the same boat as you've been cut a few times? Well, first of all, I'd say to just enjoy the moment, really. Um, enjoy where you are right now. Enjoy you know, your team and coming to the rink every day. Because unfortunately, Tio, it is a pyramid, as I've learned. And, you know, as you move up levels, uh, less and less go, less and less players, I guess, hang on. So, you know, there's there's two sides to that. I really think there's a side that you have to enjoy where you're at, enjoy, enjoy your teammates, enjoy the rink, enjoy every game, enjoy every practice, because, you know, at the end of the day, our, our careers are finite. And, you know, the I see athletes who've just been angry their whole careers that they're not playing at a higher level, that they're not. You know, someone else took them over. Someone else is in the league above them. And really, that's something that I learned growing up is that although maybe I wasn't always in the league that I wanted to be in, I was always enjoying it. I was always having fun and I was always making the best of that situation. So that would be uh, the other one side of my advice. And the other side would be, why not you? I guess, why not you that makes it that far? You know, someone is going to make it and you just have to be patient with yourself, first of all that, you know, have the long-term goal in mind, that short-term setbacks don't necessarily define your career. Getting cut doesn't define your career. Setbacks don't define your career if you don't let it. Um, if you're, if you have that long-term mindset to take your career to the next level, really, it, it can happen for, for a lot of athletes. You know, sometimes they have to look in the mirror and realize they're not working as hard as they, they should be. But if, you're honestly determined that you're going to do whatever it takes to to outdevelop the the kid next to you. You know you can have a pretty you can go a pretty long way with that mindset. That's a really good point there, Andrew. You did talk about bouncing back and just hearing your story about that being able to be cut by so many teams and then winning a Queens Cup MVP as the starting goalie for Guelph. So that is a pretty amazing story. So we do appreciate you sharing that. We're going to move on to segment number two right now, Andrew. Something I'm really interested in is knowing about the day-to-day life of different people in the sport world. You have a really, really unique position playing both in the NCAA and U Sports, so you can give us a really cool insight into both. So could you share, starting off, what does a day-to-day life look like for a University of Guelph Griffin, an athlete in the OUA? What does it look like balancing school and sport and social life as well, obviously? How does that all work out for you? Sure. So um, on an average day, I guess, we practice generally in the morning. Blocks are Monday, Wednesday at 10, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 10, Tuesday, Thursday at 12. So we're pretty lucky in that sense. Lots of teams have an evening practice. Lots of other teams on campus have an evening practice. And I really like our time. Uh, It's not so early that, you know, you're, you're exhausted rolling out of bed. 
But at the same time, you know, it, it's out of the way. When you still have energy, you go to the rink, you you put in your work for the day, and then you go and uh, be a student like everyone else. So, you know, you're not waiting around all day to go to practice. You get up, you go to the rink, maybe Tuesday, Thursday of a class or two before. Uh, obviously, our, our schedule is going to change every semester with our classes and what we need to take and how many online, too. I, I've taken a few online. Uh, some guys like it. Some guys don't. But I would say, so an average day, you know, you get up, maybe you have class, maybe you don't. You go to the rink. Uh, then we get in a workout normally with our strength coach, Josh Ford. So we'd get that. Then we would hit class for the rest of the day. Depends how many you have on an average day. You know, maybe, again, one to two more after practice. Come home from campus. Generally, once I go to campus for the day and I come back home, that's it for school for the day. Uh, come home, get meals into you get your homework, get your schooling done, and, you know, time to be social then. Uh, guys normally just stay in their houses. Guys normally live with other guys on the team. I live with Todd Winder, myself, and with some other students. So that's uh, that's our chance to be to be social at the end of the day. And sometimes we'll have a, a team bonding thing, but it's, it's pretty rare in the year. Lots of guys just have to hunker down in the library or whatnot to get school done. Sometimes I have to help out in the community. Uh, I coach... Little goalies once a week with Matt Smith goaltending, so I love coaching the the little guys and seeing seeing their development and seeing them get half the benefits out of all of this that I have. You know, it was really a rewarding experience to me. Um, and then you got to get to bed at a good time because you're gonna get up and do it again tomorrow. I know in other sports, Andrew, like football, for example, there's a lot of game film happening. Yeah. Is that something that you take a, a lot of pride in, in studying other players, especially, for example, preparing for the Queen's Cup? Was that something you took a lot of pride in, just really focusing on what shooters to watch out for on Ottawa and those things? Sure. So we do do video normally once or twice a week. We do do video, system video, special teams video. So we make sure that we're prepared going into a, your normal your normal OUA league game, and especially for the playoffs when your opponent isn't changing. It's tough, you know, if we get, let's say, a Western on a Thursday and a Brock on a Saturday, you know, you don't have that much time per opponent, really. You only have a day to think about what they're going to do. So it's more just trust in your own game, trust in your own systems. Individually, uh, my dad from the crowd will actually film me and me only, which is great in terms of, you know, I can watch my whole game to you in 15, 20 minutes. I uh, just hit play, hit hits play when the puck enters my zone. He has paused when I leave it. So it's nice. It's focused on me. It's more, you know, that I can go through at my pace. Again, get through my whole game. It doesn't take hours like it might for someone else where you have to fast forward to all your shifts. You know, I, I can watch what I need to watch in 15, 20 minutes. And over the years, it's been, it's been quite a tool. Uh, I look at my first semester at Guelph. My first semester at Guelph, I was going through some technical issues uh, where I was playing too high came I think a couple different reasons why I I think that occurred but I was playing too high and the video showed me you know just how high I didn't realize I was playing that maybe I I wouldn't have been able to pick up otherwise so I was able to really make that switch in a couple weeks so and then that that launched into a great second half of that regular season so video like that is a pretty big thing for me to to make sure I'm on top of my game yeah that's a great point there Andrew always being prepared, not just physically or even eating-wise, but also with the video. That seems to be an underrated skill that many players might not focus on, so it's great to hear that you're doing that. And let's focus our, our time now onto game day. So let's say you have a big game coming up, 
maybe regular season game. What does your routine look like then? Does it change too much from your normal day routine, or is it completely different? It's it's generally completely different. So it depends if it's a weekday game. Uh, there's a morning skate available to us. If there's a weekend game, normally it isn't. So that changes a little bit how I go about things. Uh, I do like to take a morning skate. So a normal day, I guess I would get up, go to the rink if we have a morning skate. If not, we don't. Uh, then I would come to the gym. Or if I uh, if it's a weekend game, being from Kitchener, being so close, I'll often get a get a good meal, good sleep in my own bed, and be at home for the majority of game day. So uh, after the skate, if or if or if we don't have one, uh, I'll go back home. I'll do about an hour of rolling, stretching, dynamic warm up, just everything I need. You know, I know my my body doesn't get really any younger, and I know lots of goalies my age do have injury issues. So I try to take some time out of every game day morning just to make sure my body's prepared for what's coming that night. Uh, to make sure it's as as limber and as loose as it can be. Then I'll go. I'll have a little. A light lunch after that. I'll sit around and normally watch some watch some Netflix, watch some Letter Kenny's kind of my go to show on a game day, or really just anything to to relax a bit, take any stresses that I might have from from the day, from the week, and just kind of let those go for a bit. Uh, then I'll take a pregame nap, depending on if it's a weekend. Maybe I'll sleep in a bit longer, and I'm at home. I'll sleep in a bit longer, and the nap's not really as necessary. But then I'll either take a nap or just kill time doing whatever. If I got some light schoolwork to do, some busy work, I won't really apply myself too much to anything. But if it's just some, if it's some light, whatever it needs to be done, I might do some of that. I might, if I need to make any errands, I'll do it at that time. Or I'll just stay home and sleep. Uh, then a road game, we'll have to catch the bus. Or if it's a home game, we won't, obviously. Eat somewhere around 4 o'clock for a 7.30 puck drop, about three and a half hours before game time, and then drive to the rink, make sure I'm all suited up, whatever the dress code is, it's either a suit or a business casual, I'll suit up and I'll, you know, make sure that, that I'm ready to go once I hit the arena. After the game ends, what does your routine look like then? Do you just veg out a little bit? Do you hang out with the team? Do you hang out with family? What does after the game routine look like? So it sort of depends to you on uh, if there's going to be another game that week. A Thursday after the routine, a Thursday post game routine will look a lot different from a, a Saturday post game routine. Given that we're normally play, we normally play Thursday Saturday. Sometimes if we're on the road and the road team has a different home night, we'll throw in some Fridays. We even threw in a couple Wednesdays at home this year. It just sort of depends from a a week to week standpoint, and sort of depends if the game's at home or on the road. But a normal game, if we have another game that week. Uh, I'll get off the ice. Obviously, we'll we'll break down the game. Uh, however, we'll we'll need to. It depends what sort of a mood everyone's in. Depends how the game went. Um, then I'll get I'll get some food into me, whether it be on the bus or whether it be. I'll normally my parents will will come. They're great. They support all the time. So normally we'll go up to Griff's or something after the game. Eastside Mario's. If we need to, if we need a home, if we need a good meal on us at home. If not, if we're on the road. Great meals are provided for us. Or the coaching staff really does a great job making sure that we funnel in uh, all the, the nutrition that we need for to get ready to go again. And then normally I fall asleep pretty quick. Not a lot. Of, a lot of guys don't. A lot of guys are all wired up and juiced up and can't fall asleep after the night. Normally, all it did. I let it go fairly quickly. I mean, depends on obviously again how the game went. But I I, I can normally sleep after a game. 
So if it's a weekday game, just come home, get your rest, because we'll have to have a Friday practice at 10 a.m. to to break down video, to break down, to get a good good flush skate before we play again on Saturday. So we'll we'll go through that. If it's a Saturday game, our routine changes a bit because we don't have to get ready to go for another five or six days. So again, I'll normally just have a dinner and then we'll go and relax with the guys or kind of let loose. You know, we do have a pretty tight schedule throughout the week, so it's it's nice to be able to to relax, let loose like a normal university student. And again, the the, the result of the game kind of depends, kind of dictates the mood of everyone after. Yeah, I could definitely imagine, Andrew, that if the team does well, it's all uh, great emotions, and then if the if it was a blowout loss, it might not be a, a good locker room to be in at the time. For sure, for sure. And so are there parts of your day, especially as a student athlete, that you find enjoyable and then some that you find menial? Because maybe there's people listening that want to be in the position you're in and maybe they don't really know what it might look like for a university goalie to have some interesting parts of their day and maybe some menial parts. Sure. So I guess the best part of all of our day is is the hockey. At least it should be. Or you or why are you doing this? Whether it be the game or the practice, that generally is the best part of our day. Being able to get up and play a sport at you know twenty one, two, three, four years old. That uh, lots of our friends have since given up, and that we still get to play it at a high level. So anytime we're on the ice or doing something related to that, I would say is the best part of our day. Uh, most of us are in programs we enjoy, so that part of our day is great. And getting into the grind of classes, though, and that's what I say is is a menial part. Is you can get in the grind of homework, the grind of classes. Uh, really, a lot of us start to feel it from maybe Thanksgiving-ish to the end of the first semester. That's really a grind time for a lot of us. I always find that you know we go on some road trips traditionally, some NCAA schools. Uh, we'll normally make a trip out east, so we'll go play the Montreal schools or the Kingston schools, and that's a couple nights in a hotel too. And I find that once though that wave sort of hits, uh, you, you, you can come up for air a bit, but really you're, you're treading water till the end of the first semester. So I'd say that that's uh, the hardest part of our year really is that grind through November. And then once you survive that, you know, the school, school doesn't seem to hit as hard the second half. I find maybe that's just the courses I've taken, but it, for some reason it doesn't seem to hit as hard when the, uh, in second semester. So I'd say that that, yeah, that the menial stuff really stops. And then we get into obviously bigger hockey games too uh, come January and then for the rest of the year. Andrew, it sounds like you're probably more prepared after the first semester of some of the exams and things that pile up. But are there some special circumstances or events that you get to be a part of being a varsity athlete at Guelph? Are there some things that you get to do off the ice, maybe with the community or with other people? Sure, Tio. So uh, we do do a couple of community outreach events, uh, whether that be, you know, we have to call call our alumni, try to get them back for the Hockey Day in Griffinville game, or whether we, you know, are out on campus, we promote special games like Aggie Night, Frosty Mug, although the Frosty Mug just kind of does it itself for the last couple of years. <laughs> but just in general, I'd say just some community outreach stuff. Uh, even myself, I, I coach goalies once a week. Uh, you know, maybe I, I don't do that if I'm not in the position I'm in on the ice. Uh, another thing, too, I guess that's sort of special is the community amongst our athletes. You know, to be able to, to walk in and to the library, to our third floor up there, and, you know, all the athletes, it's nice to see everyone intermingling, uh, whether you're in SAM, student athlete mentorship, 
Lots of guys are in that, and it's a great opportunity to get to know the other athletes. And that's really a big opportunity for us is to be able to to get a community of more than just your team because you're seeing your team around so much, and it's nice to, to have some balance. To walk in and to the library, to our third floor up there, and you know all the athletes, it's nice to see everyone intermingling, uh, whether you're in SAM, Student Athlete Mentorship, Lots of guys are in that, and it's a great opportunity to get to know the other athletes. And that's really a big opportunity for us is to be able to to get a community of more than just your team because you're seeing your team around so much, and it's nice to, to have some balance. Uh, even up here, you know, I've got some great friends on other teams. It's nice to have an, an external venting point to, to someone and to really bring balance so that if, if hockey's not going right, you're, you're not – you can escape from it and you can find happiness through other avenues, which is something that I think is really important because I think mental health for our student athletes is, is so important and to find a different avenue to, to socialize and to find a different part of your day that you can drive happiness out of is, is something that I've really found has contributed to, you know, my mental health throughout the university career. And I'd say even for an athlete coming in, you know, it, it's it's underrated, but a piece of advice is to, to make athletes not on your team. And sometimes it can be tough depending on what your team is, but I think it's really important. Well, that's great advice there, Andrew. And while we're on that topic, are there a couple athletes from other teams that you want to shout out for sort of their impact on your life, male or female, whatever team that might be? Sure. So, uh, Todd, so I live with Todd. I know I brought that up. His girlfriend, uh, Alana McLean's always, always around the house and is a nice friend to have, brings some balance. You know, we're, we're really close with the women's hockey team. Our team, you know, I, we create, as I've called it, a little goalie nation with uh, Aurora and with Katie Raymond and with Alex Davidson. So, you know, that's a, a nice piece, a nice community that I say we have because really we're a team within a team. And, you know, the goalies have to be a team within a team. And if we can find our opposite number on the girls' team, create a little community where you know we firsthand understand what it's like to to be a goalie and we firsthand understand what each other is going through because it's quite a different sport from the players I'd say two or in the girls case three goalies on a team and only one's playing on a given night and the other two have to support you know there aren't very, there's no other position in the hockey like that where the ratio is that skewed toward you know having so many of your athletes on the bench so to have someone that knows what's to have a group, a community that's able to support each other, understand what each other's going through, and celebrate each other's successes, I find is is really has really added to my experience here. Yeah, for those for those listening, shout out to those who are supporting community within the athletic realm. That's really important and something as we celebrate with the University of Guelph Bell Let's Talk Day. That's a really important thing as well, supporting that mental health initiative and the community initiative as well. So, Andrew, we're going to move to question three here. Oftentimes, the general public, people who aren't necessarily in the sport world, they might have a different view of what a job or day-to-day life might look like in the sport realm. This is something that greatly interests me as I'm learning about different positions and careers in the sport world. What are some misconceptions you may have read or heard about being a varsity athlete, and what would you say to them? Sure. So, first, I don't think that... Uh, people often understand how much time we have to put into our sport. At the end of the year, obviously this year is a bit different with everything going on. Our classes are totally online now. But give it 30 hours a week that we get back at the end of a season. I mean, yes, there is practices. Yes, there is is the games and the, and the workouts. But, you know, there's there's other factors too. I mean, 
you know, an average university student might be able to stay up till two, three in the morning to, to get an assignment done. Uh, if we have a game, you know, that week, which is pretty much every week, you know, we often can't do that because we need our bodies to be ready to perform at the end of the weekend. So I would say that within the season, you give up that much time in terms of sleeping, eating right, and you have to, you know, find those hours to do that schoolwork in other times throughout your week. So I find that we're really able to get a lot back throughout the week. And even as it comes to eating right, you know, putting that extra effort to either cook or get get meals from better sources than, you know, maybe just going to pizza pizza, you know, every once in a while. Because if you have a game against, you know, maybe a, a Ryerson or a Brock or a really good team in our conference, you know, that's that's not the nutrition you want to have. You know, first, I'd just say the amount of time that it actually takes to, to be put in. Uh, second of all is, and I've really noticed this in Canada, is that you don't get a break from from your program, from your professors. You know, you're still putting in the same amount of work as everyone else. You're still putting in the same amount of work as, you know, you're expected to put in. And I think there is a conception, and maybe it's true amongst other sports. I haven't really found it for for hockey and for the programs that I've been in. But, you know, there's there's no breaks. There's no extra. Sometimes they'll be good about moving around an exam if you need to in terms of, uh, we have a game or a road trip, and we need to write an exam at a separate time. I've had a couple of those, and generally they're pretty understanding about that. They're understanding about what we have to do, but there's certainly no, you don't get marked easier, or you don't, you know, any of those things that kind of go along with being a, the perception of a varsity athlete that maybe you see in movies or whatnot. And maybe you can speak to that a little bit as well, being a former NCAA athlete. What would be some differences that you've noticed even academics social life athletic life with being an ncaa goalie and then being a youth sports goalie right so one thing that i'll say about the ncaa is it's a lot of travel especially in our conference we had a really a nationwide travel schedule we had weekends in colorado we had weekends in providence rhode island so we were really spanning the country and that's something that we're very blessed with in youth sport is that first of all the conferences actually geographically make sense in the NCAA, I know it's quite a bit different. You know, we had Ohio State two hours up the road at Miami. We played them once as a non-conference game, whereas, you know, in U-Sport, all the teams in Ontario, with obviously a few in Quebec, are in your conference. And Guelph's in a really, really great location where, you know, other than our trip to Lakehead and the odd trip out east, you know, we're back in our own bed every night. Uh, we didn't this year, too, for the Western Windsor weekend, but really most road trips are, are up and back. So that's one thing that I'd say is that is quite a big difference that I've noticed. The schooling is just different on both sides of the border. I mean, I was in an arts program at Miami. I was trying to get in their business school. Then obviously it didn't work out on the hockey side and financially, so I wasn't able to to be in that program. So I can't. It's not a fair fight, I guess, to put them academically against each other. I, I my roommate down there was in the business school first year, and I do remember him working very hard. Um, so it's tough for me to make that academic comparison, but uh, honestly something, and I know it's small teal, but the grading down there is, is different. You know, if you have an 85 down there, that's a B and up here, that's a great mark. And that's an A. The the difference I'd say is that down there, maybe the, the content's more manageable, but you have to know it a lot better. Whereas up here, uh, the content is more difficult, but the, the bar isn't as high in terms of how well you're able to grasp it. So from an academic standpoint, I'd say that's something that a lot of people have, have no idea um, about that that difference. Yeah, you raised a good point there, Andrew. A lot of people will get their ideas of being a varsity athlete from the movies or from 
uh, YouTube video. So it's good to hear from a person what it actually looks like. Yeah, and you know, uh, something that I don't think a lot of people realize is that sure there's the March Madness and sure there's the the college football, uh, the bowl teams, but the majority of student athletes aren't as high profile as them. You know, even I look in the states and I'm worried about, you know, should we pay student athletes? Shouldn't we? And I look at that as, okay, sure, you know, the basketball and football teams might like that. You know, your men's and women's volleyball team will have no impact by that because lots of times, you know, those lots of athletes don't have professional aspirations afterwards in sport. And that is something that I think a lot of people, you know, forget when they think student athlete, they maybe think of, you know, Zion Williamson or they think of, you know, whoever's in the, uh, whoever's big at the time in college football and they don't really think of the average student athlete being someone who you know really doesn't have a lot of those benefits that those guys see and doesn't have the recognition on campus that those guys enjoy and I mean the the Griffins I do feel are are recognized on campus but I feel like it's quite a bit different for for those high high end guys and that they don't really represent what a student athlete is from an average perspective no that definitely makes sense Andrew uh we're actually going to move on here to another question I have related to sort of how you deal with negative feedback or in terms of how you deal with adversity, as you mentioned before, being cut from a few teams. What does it look like when you maybe lose a big game and you might hear something from social media, if you do, or from just overhearing people in the stands? How does that affect you? How do you deal with that? Sure. So generally, we're actually pretty positive. Generally, social media... Uh, again, I, I'm not, you know, we're not Zion Williamson and we don't hear it like, you know, maybe, a a Duke basketball player or a Florida football player might, um, in terms of, you know, we're not playing in front of thousands and thousands, uh, except for the frosty. But, um, you know, I guess in terms of negativity, sure. You know, if we go to certain arenas, maybe there's, you know, a, a group of sections taunting you, or if we go down and play the NCAA schools, uh, the student section can get pretty into it depending on, you know, how many of them show up or what it's like in, in their calendar. Um, but really, I just think a lot you rely on the people that you know trust you, uh, whether it be coaches, parents, teammates, and you just kind of lean on those factors to to really drive your own, you know, self-confidence. And a lot of it comes from within, too. You know, you have to have – we're all great hockey players at this level, and we all understand that we've made it here for a reason and that – you have to, you have to trust that when it when it goes sour and remind yourself why you're here. That's a good point. A theme that you keep touching on, Andrew, is the community aspect. So, I encourage those who are listening that are athletes to really find that community because Andrew has really talked about that a lot. That that's really important for his own just health and well being. So that's really great to hear. And Andrew, last question of this section: What are some things you didn't know about being a first Division One goalie? And then now a youth sports goalie, what are some things you didn't know that maybe you wish you knew that you could maybe tell someone that's in a similar position? Right. Well, first of all, and uh, uh, it, it's tough. It's tough to rise through the levels. And I don't really think when I was, you know, 16, 17, that I, I just had this view that, you know, playing AAA was going to shoot me right in front of a lot of college coaches' eyes. And I don't think I realized just how many other kids out there share that dream. So it's just got to be a a commitment that you're going to work as hard as you can to get this because if you're not, someone else is going to take it from you. 
So I would say that that's part of it for sure is that how tough it is, how tough it is, you know, how good the other, the, the level of goaltending is at our level. You know, it can be really tough to, to play at our level. It can be really tough to, to grab a net. When I look at some of the breaks that I've had, you know, Evan Cormier is a fa- fantastic example at the start of last year. You know, he's, he's dressed in the NHL this year. He's had AHL games. He's on a contract with the Devils. And, you know, those sorts of goalies are in new sport. And I maybe I didn't really get a sense of that coming in, just how good the level of hockey is. And it's really underrated. I mean, I'd really encourage anyone out there who's looking to play collegiately to to think about coming to U-Sport. And, you know, it's an absolutely fantastic league. I know it might not be, you know, as sexy, I guess, as some other options a player would have. But when you look down and you start to see, you know, we have major junior captains, we have, you know, former pro players have been in and out of our team over the last little bit. Lots and lots of guys with accomplished major junior. And then we have guys like Todd Winder who've came out of nowhere and really stepped up at this level. So it's a fantastic level of hockey. And maybe that too is a bit of a, a misconception of just how good our our hockey is. And what I wish I, I knew is how good the youth sport level of hockey is. And it can it t- can take you to levels after. Like I said, Corms has, has played for the Devils this year. Um, you know, guys have aspirations to move on to pro, you know, and those aspirations get realized more often than they don't. And that's something definitely unique, Andrew about even playing junior in the OHL where you get schooling paid for later which allows some of these top junior players who maybe don't get a chance at the NHL to go and play more hockey at U Sports and then you get a guy like Todd Winder for example shout out to him who maybe didn't play as high profile of a junior career and now has made himself one of the top players in the OUA so that's uh, really good to hear so Andrew we're going to move to the fun segment now the last segment of the interview Rapid fire. I didn't give you these questions beforehand, so you got to be ready here. Sounds good. Question number one here is name your top three favorite sports teams and athletes of all time. Sports teams and athletes of all time. Okay. Well, Ken Dryden's got to be on that list just in terms of a, a goalie. That's kind of why I wear 29 is that, you know, just the way he was able to combine academics and his fantastic hockey career, just something that I strive to be every day. Uh, another one would be... I do like Tiger Woods. I understand that he's had some, you know, maybe not the best. Uh, he's had some past personal transgressions, but just in terms of how he's a champion, and I loved watching the Masters last year. And then another one, I think growing up, I, I like Johnny Quick. Uh, you know, a guy who's, you know, uh, plays a fun game to watch as a goalie. It's very explosive. It's very, you know, a lot. he relies a lot on flexibility. And just to be able to watch him do his thing has been fantastic. Uh, in terms of teams, like the Jays, I don't really have a favorite hockey team per se. It was the Leafs, and then I was about 14. I was sick of them losing, so I kind of drifted away from Leaf Nation a bit. I know they're obviously doing a bit better now, but I just I just kind of watch the games now. But I, I do like anything that's Team Canada, passionate Canadian, and that if there's anything I can do to, to cheer on our, the people playing for our nation, I, I love to do it. That's awesome. So you'll be watching... Team Canada dodgeball at some point, it sounds like. Absolutely. We're going to stay on the sports road here. What is your favorite sports memory in history? So maybe you were there live or you watched it on TV. What's your favorite sports memory? For myself, uh, it's got to be the Jose Bautista bat flip was my my favorite sports memory. So what's yours? 
Sure. So I guess one that I've been to, Tessa and Scott, I was there when they won the, the gold medal in 2010. And just the Canadian pride that went through that building and just the absolute joy that went through everyone and just kind of something that I've never really been a part of. So that was amazing to, to get to watch their gold medal. Uh, in terms of an all-time thing, I'd honestly say last year's Masters where Tiger Woods wanted just to watch him and to watch... You know, I, I remember the end of kind of his era. I remember the 08 U.S. Open. I remember the 05 Masters. Uh, but to be able to watch him kind of go through the gutter and then emerge out was absolutely a fantastic story. And just to see the caliber of golfers that I he beat. I'm a big golf guy. So to be able to, to watch the caliber of golfers that he was able to overtake was fantastic. Yeah, his story would probably be a little bit similar in terms of just bouncing through adversity. So you see a lot of these top athletes, Andrew, as yourself, bouncing back from this adversity and being able to learn from it. We're going to move away from sport now, Andrew. These are some real fun questions for you. You have one last meal to eat on earth. I'm going to ask you to give me the drink that you're drinking, appetizer, the main course, and dessert. Jeez, okay. In terms of the drink, it depends, because if the world's ending, maybe I want it a little bit stronger. If that's it for me, maybe I want a little bit stronger. But uh, you know, I'm a big root beer guy. Uh, whether or not those are the uh, the crazy uncle type root beers or the the mug type root beers, you know, I'm a big root beer guy. Uh, just in terms of the meal, you know, anything really buffalo. I love buffalo wings, buffalo chicken, buffalo anything. Just anything buffalo kind of kind of does it for me. Cross tracks fries from Brass Taps have got to be the the appetizer. Those are unbelievable. And then dessert. If you give me a cherry cheesecake, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't complain. You would. Uh, that would be your last meal on earth, there, Andrew. So. And that's. It's funny because you know you I could go to you could go to Cross Tracks and I, I will sometimes treat myself to the buffalo chicken fingers and and uh, and Cross Tracks. So really, maybe I'm not that far off. Yeah, it's your go-to meal there. So I'm gonna give you a chance to do some make believe here. You're gonna put on a concert in your backyard. You're allowed to book any band or artist in the world. You got to pick three, and you got to pick the order in which they play. Uh, I'm a big Post Malone guy, so I'm definitely going to put him at the end. Uh, I don't know, I just... Okay, so he's the headliner. He, yeah, he's definitely the headliner. Post Malone's definitely the headliner. Uh, you got to mix it up, though, a bit. I'm going to throw in I'll throw in some country guys. I'll throw in, well, you need some Canadian content, too. Good Canadian guy. I need some Canadian content. So if I, if I can turn back time a bit, I might throw in the Tragically Hip. I'm not sure about that. But, you know, let's throw that in there. And then I, I need some good, good pop country. I'll throw in, like, uh, a Luke Bryan or something. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'd go to that. All right. Sounds good. An eclectic mix. I love when people share these musical interests because sometimes you get someone who has all the same genre and then you get someone who's all over the map. So it's uh, pretty funny. We're going to move on to a career question now. What is the best career, or in your case, athlete advice you've ever received? Who did you receive it from, and what was it? Sure. So really something that I think started a lot of things for me is I was, uh, it was a coach that actually ended up cutting me. He was, uh, we were on the way to uh, a tournament in Boston, and he drove me to the tournament, and he uh, straight out called me out for being overweight. And it was something that I, I needed at that time. I ended up, this was the summer before Georgetown, and I ended up losing a lot of weight that summer. And I really think it, it kind of launched everything. So really the fact that, you know, I was, 
someone calling me out and making me uncomfortable that I my body wasn't the way it should be uh, really, really launched a lot of things for me. So definitely someone who held you accountable to what you do and was blunt with you. Would would you say that was really important? Yeah, I would say it was blunt with me. I won't forget it. He, we were in line for a, a Tim Hortons, and he was grilling me in the car about what I was doing, what my body fat percentage was. I had no idea. And he was in line at Tim Hortons, and he said, the reason I asked those questions is you're 25% body fat, and that needs to come down immediately. And, you know, I, I really took it to heart, and I I worked out. He did, I ended up, didn't end up playing for him. But just to to hear him call me out like that was really something that I needed. And would you say in the midst of him calling you out that you did feel, despite maybe um, something you didn't want to hear, it was something that you needed to hear and that it was coming from a place of love on his end? Exactly. Well, I mean, I, I think that he just wanted me, you know, to be the best athlete that I could, whether it be for his team, um, hopefully, or someone else. Um, but it was pretty blunt. It was pretty, it, it made me uncomfortable. It made me embarrassed. And it was just more of a thing for myself that if I wanted to, you know, this was after my 19 year old season. And if I wanted to play college hockey, how could I possibly let my body look like that? Uh, how, how dare I put two years of my life at that point on hold for a goal that I wasn't going to commit with my body to be able to do. So I think that was good. It, it kind of pushed me. It made me think a little harder. It made me reconsider how hard I was working, how hard I was training. I thought I was training and working hard, but it really forced me to look and say, no, you know, there's more that you can give here. And that really, I think, led to my big Georgetown year. And that's definitely a shout out to coaches and players as we talk about the theme of community. Definitely being able to speak truth and love and being able to just like call out somebody and try to make them the best they can be. That's really important. And that sounds like something that definitely impacted your journey. Absolutely. And so last question here. I know you're already a goalie on the Guelph Griffins, but I'm going to give you a make-believe question here. If you could be any position on any team in any sport, pro, amateur, whatever it looks like, what would it be? You can say Guelph if you want. Maybe you want to make-believe and go pro here. I'm not sure. Well, if I was good enough, I would absolutely love to play in the Masters. Uh, I'm a big golf guy. If I was better at that sport, I often say I know that sport better than I can play it. Uh, obviously, with hockey, I just haven't been able to put in the time to... Uh, to really get good at it. Maybe that's a project for when, you know, one day my, my career is over is to get a bit better at golf. But I absolutely, absolutely love the Masters and love golf when it's four. Well, it'll be September now this year, but four hollow days on my calendar in April that I watch as much as I can. So you're trying to win that green jacket, it sounds like. Well, we'll see. I know that ain't going to happen for me unless I unless I become a magical great golfer overnight, but... <laughs> if our audience wants to find out more about you where can they find you online sure so uh my twitter is at andrew masters 30 uh, my instagram's at andrew underscore masters 95 and uh i plan on while we're all kind of uh shut down a bit here these next couple however long it ends up being i i am gonna drop my my story uh, an athlete story of mine on a couple different websites 519 sports online is one of the companies that will be getting it probably drop that out a couple different places it'll be on my twitter or whatnot and just uh i i briefly briefly touched on my story here there's a lot that goes into it and i'll be dropping that just if you know i say there there aren't very many unfortunately there aren't very many hockey stories this year that have a good ending uh so to be able to to kind of do what i can to share it and to to share a hockey story that that is ending well and I mean it, it, it no means is it over you know I still got lots of aspirations left in the game but 
but uh you know just kind of my story and how i got to a, a, a queen's cup so i'll I, i'll work on that once the um once we're all under stay-at-home orders here this episode was recorded earlier during covid so it'll most likely be out by now so i'll leave it in the show description when it comes out so andrew thanks for your time i appreciate you coming on to the show sharing your life i uh, wish you all the best as uh you have one more year is that correct with guelph yeah it, it depends right now on my master's applications i've got some master's applications in for a couple different uh, programs uh it's just been delayed to get i guess hearing a bit back from those with everything going on right now so we'll see we'll see what that holds from an academic standpoint and if you do want to watch a piece of hockey history you can go on oua.tv check out the queen's cup going to spoil the ending for you but Guelph does take it home Andrew Masters wins the MVP award so that's a game that definitely you're going to put in the Andrew Masters Hall of Fame there nothing's beat that so far to be able to win a championship something that I hadn't done since my first year playing goal so you know that to have those memories and I, I got close a couple times I've lost in two finals I've left a team that's ended up winning I, le- I had an opportunity in December to jump to junior B and my junior C team that I was on ended up winning so it was always kind of something that was hanging over my head that you know I don't have a championship but you know at the end of the day I'm, I'm happy that we we're able to get it done this year yeah congratulations again to the Guelph Griffins and on the coaching staff Sean Camp and those guys do a great job so shout out to them Andrew we do appreciate you taking time out of your day to come out on the pod thanks for listening keep an eye out for the next episode where I interview Orion Edwards brakeman for the Team Canada National bobsled team Hear about his journey from being a varsity football player to now being a national team bobsledder. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Juan underscore and underscore only underscore sports and see some of my commenting highlights on YouTube at the channel Juan and Only Sports. Catch you listeners on the flip side. Peace.